This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. I'm talking today about favor for life. Genesis 39. I hear pages turning. That's good. I can't hear the digital clicking on your iPhones and stuff, but I like the sound of those pages turning. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So we'll stop there. This, uh, this is, we're talking today about favor. Really, you wouldn't think that Joseph life, Joseph's life was really favored if you could see the whole picture. I mean, clearly this little para- paragraph tells us about the favor of God being on Joseph, but we need to understand the background, what got him there. Joseph has been uh, given a vision by God. God is directing his steps, and Joseph has been, has been uh, uh, rejected by his family. Certain family members wanted to kill him. They threw him in a pit, you know, some of the part of the story. And then, when then one family member thought it would be better to sell him to traders rather than to sell him, uh, rather than to kill him in the pit because they didn't want to be guilty of murder, so they sold him off to the Ishmaelites. And Joseph finds himself in this place, and whether Joseph knows it or not, Joseph is favored by God. Even though his life looks like a Jerry Springer episode. (laughs) Family rejection, thrown in the pit, murder attempts, sold into slavery, human trafficking. I mean, this is a Jerry Springer episode waiting to happen. He doesn't recognize it, perhaps, until he gets in this place, but the scripture says that God orders the steps of those who delight in him. That he makes those steps firm, that's what it says, and it says, I think it's Psalm 37, that he makes those steps firm, so even though they stumble, and even though they may fall, God lifts him up with their hand, because God makes firm their steps. Isn't that an amazing promise? Joseph, I think, in this moment, is questioning where is God in all this. What a crazy life he's living. And yet, we know that he's landed in exactly the right spot. 
we know that God has put him in that place for such a time as this. Sometimes God lands you in a place that is filled with opportunity. Uh, opportunity is another word for crisis. Opportunity is another word for room for improvement. And God lands us in a place where there's difficulty and where there's... Uh, where there, and sometimes in the midst of that, you can't see what God is doing until you step back and gain a higher perspective. I remember I was preaching in uh, Guatemala, I think it was, and I was preaching and was talking to the people about climbing mountains and hills, which they do a lot there. And I talked to them about how, as a fat white guy from the United States, when I climb, I look where my feet go. That's how I climb. I, when you're climbing up a, a, ste a steep grade, you often don't see the progress you're making because you're looking at your feet. You, do, you, Come on, be honest now. Do you look at your feet when you walk a little bit, when you're walking uphill? Yeah? I'm the only one. Well, oh, yeah, thank you, Pam. Thanks, thank, you, thank you for throwing me a bone, so several of you. And then it's only after you've worked yourself up to a sweat and you have heart palpitations and you look up and you finally can see, you realize you're above the tree line. You've made all this progress. Joseph has landed in this fortuitous place. It doesn't seem like a lucky spot to be in, but God has favored him and put him in the spot because God's favor is on him. And so Joseph is favored of the Lord. In the same way that we as the children of God, we are favored of the Lord. You have the favor of God on your life if you're a God-loving follower of Jesus then you have the favor of God on your life. You may say, well, you couldn't tell it from my background. My background is a similar Jerry Springer episode like Joseph's. You might say, you can't tell it for where I am right now, and that's true. You don't know where you're going to be. We don't recognize from this chunk of Scripture, we don't recognize that God has a plan, a trajectory that he's going to take Joseph out of a small little room on the side of Potiphar's house, a little slave's quarters on the side of the, of the uh, Potiphar's house, and going to take him all the way to the second seat in Egypt. We can't see that in this moment. In this moment, and just like in your life, we don't know where you're going to end up. Some of us are worried about where you're going to end up, but you, we don't know what God has in store for you. And though, and if we were to judge you from where you are right now in that little slave's quarters, we would miss altogether what it means to be favored of God. I want you to know today that no matter what happens, no matter where you are, no matter what you've gone through, you have the favor of God on your life. You are favored by God. And, even, and don't let circumstances dictate how you sense that favor or whether you feel that favor in your life. You have the favor of God on your life. You say, but you don't understand how bad my week was. It doesn't really make a difference because God has a purpose in that because you're one of his favored ones. The favor of God is palpable. It says the Lord was with Joseph. That means Joseph had a sense that God was in it. As he was being purchased by Potiphar, as sold as a slave. It's hard to imagine being marched up on the auction block and somebody going, I'll take him. And buying that person, and then that person thinking, yes, this is a good spot. We don't know that Joseph did that. But maybe if he had the faith in God at that moment, he would have recognized that God was prospering him spiritually in that spot. 
God gives him success in everything that he puts his hand to. Now, lest we be, uh, you know, lest we misunderstand that. The success that Joseph has is not instant success. It doesn't mean that whatever Joseph touched suddenly turned to gold. It's not the Midas touch. It's, it's success in what he does, and he has to work hard at it. He has to be diligent. He has to be hardworking. He has to be creative. He has to listen and learn. He has to be a quick learner. He has to determine that he's going to, to accomplish. He has to listen. He has to take his uh, earbuds out when the boss is talking so he can understand what the boss means. And then he has to do exactly what the boss says. And as he does that, suddenly now, blessing is falling into his life. So much so that, that Potiphar recognizes this guy is a, as sharp as a tack. Let's move him up. Let's give him a raise. Let's put, put him in a place where he, he, he can affect more lives. He can, he can be a more, of more use. Let's find the favor of God. And everything Joseph touches, it seems, at, at this moment, is, is being blessed by God. And so, in fact, this favor that is on the people of God suddenly now becomes a contagion. It becomes viral. It affects everything that is under the authority of Joseph. And so now Potiphar's household is being blessed because Joseph has the blessing on his life. Because you are favored, your family is favored. Because you are favored, your business is favored. Because you are favored, the people around you will long to, be, to, to know your God and to know what the, the secret is that makes you tick. Because you are favored, the goodness of God is promised to come to you. That doesn't mean that you won't stumble or that you won't fall. It means that God will always be there to pick you up, set you back on the right track. Somebody say thank you, Lord, for that today. The favor of God now becomes this contagion, a contagion of grace, a contagious, a contagious uh, outbreak of, of viral of favor of God that comes upon Pharaoh's household. And so he's blessed. See, Joseph is a, suddenly a quick learner. He is a hard worker. He becomes a problem solver. He decides he will not be a quitter, but he will keep pressing in. And when something doesn't work the first time, we're not talking about some magical spell that makes everything work. The favor of God keeps on working, keeps on going, even through the most difficult circumstances. Somehow, God is able to turn the frustration into fortune for, for Joseph because of the favor of God on him. He is overcoming the circumstances in his life. There is not one large, giant miracle that transforms all of Joseph's circumstances. Rather, he has to work through every little thing, just the same as you and I do. I kind of like this. I think that's why we identify with Joseph. He has to work through every little hardship, every little blow that knocks him back a couple steps, every little disappointment. He has to work through those things and remember that he is favored by God and he keeps pushing through, keeps pushing through no matter what happens. And we, and we as believers, we too have to remember that we're favored. We have to, one of the lies that the enemy comes and tells you, one of the quickest things he says, God won't do it for you. God won't do it for you. That's what the enemy says. You need to remember the verse that says, God is not the respecter of persons. Whatever God does for one, he will do for all. God is not the respecter of persons. And so the favored people of God recognize that because he favored you, he can also favor me. And we, that means our lives are living prophetic examples of hope that comes being favored by God. That doesn't mean we don't face difficulty. It just means that God is walking with us through the difficult times. 
because Joseph is favored, Potiphar's house is favored. Because we are favored, the people around us are favored. Not an automatic cess, but a Holy Spirit-inspired determination to overcome hardship, difficulty, and even to fight against the hordes of hell to bring God's glory to bear in our life so that God will be glorified in the things that happen in our life. And our blessing then becomes communicable. Our blessing then becomes a contagion. Our blessing becomes viral and touches other people. And, and so family members and businesses and coworkers are all blessed by the Lord. You say, well, how do we know that God really wants to favor his children? Psalm 5, verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Jesus, when he was beginning his ministry, he said he came to set free the captives, to release the, those who were in bondage, to set at liberty those who were captive, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, this has always been the theme of the gospel, the favor of God would flow out over his people. And so the more Joseph is favored, the more responsibility he gets. He gets more, with res, more responsibility, then he, he becomes uh, larger and, and more in charge in that place. And so he becomes a very important person. He becomes the number two guy in that household. And so the favor of God is moving. And just in the same way, when we begin to operate in the favor of God, when we begin to listen, we begin to care. Remember what it was like when you had that job where you just finally said, I'm going to do something in this job. You know, maybe you were 15 or 16, you just said, I'm not just doing time here and sweeping the floors, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something of myself in this job. And you begin to listen. You begin to learn. I'm, I've had a lot of people in my life who've taken me under their wing and said, let me show you how to do this, and showed me a trade and worked with me in that trade and showed me through the process of that. And as they brought me into that trade, they showed me how to work. See, the problem is the, a lot of people never get serious about listening to the... If God has you there in that spot then what is the reason why God has you there in that spot? If you never learn, you're going to keep repeating the same stupid things that put you in that place. Amen? Amen. Amen. We don't want to be repeating those same stupid things. God has a, a lesson to learn and then to move you on. And so Joseph is climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak, in, in Potiphar's house. And as he gets higher and higher, finally he gets to the place where he is completely recognized that he is the number two guy. Favor is on him, but not only is favor on him, favor is on everyone who's underneath him. When he tells somebody to go pick strawberries, they come back with the most luscious strawberries. When he tells somebody to go out there and move stone, they move the stone in an effective and, and, and timely manner. When he tells the servants to mop the floors in, in Potiphar's house, they're mop them and they're, they're so clean you can eat them. It says that, that with, all, with Joseph in charge, the only thing Potiphar had to think about was, what's for dinner? That's what it says, literally. The only thing he had to worry about what was what he was going to eat. He had not, everything else was completely taken care of. He, at night, he probably sat down and thanked God, or in Potiphar's case, his lucky stars. He, whoever he thanked, he thanked, thanked them because Joseph was in the house. Joseph brought all this blessing on his house. So the next verse is interesting because it tells us, this is a lifelong struggle with me, it says... Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. This is the part of the story I identify with very strongly. <laughs> Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph, and she very subtly said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. 
With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. There is going to be, because you are a favored person, because you are God's favored child, there will be an attempted robbery in your life. Because, yes, it's true that Joseph was Buck Stud the camp evangelist. He was a righteous man who had a gentle spirit, rugged good looks, knew God, and that, in effect, in fact, that's such an aphrodisiac Right? Women all over praying, God, give me a righteous stud. That's what they're praying. I talk to these single women, all the single ladies. I talk to all the women, and that's what they say. Oh, God, give me a righteous stud. Like Joseph. Handsome, you know, loves God. And the favor of God is on him, even though technically Joseph remains a slave. He is experiencing so much freedom. Oh, there's a revelation in this, isn't there? Even in the midst of his slavery by earthly standards, he's experiencing so much freedom that he walks around carrying himself in the favor of God. And as he begins to share the favor, people are looking at him and going, that dude, he's got something, you know. And, and, and evidently Potiphar's wife, Mrs. P, we'll call her, she, she saw that too. And she determined that if she can't have that favor, she don't want Joseph to have that favor either. And her purpose became first to seduce him, to deflower the favored one. But then, when she couldn't do that, then she thought she will take him down. That's the way your enemy works against you. That's the way your enemy does not want you to, to experience the full favor of God. And as you walk in the favor of God, the enemy makes an assignment against you to rip off that favor. And if you're not careful, if you're not listening, you see, you see because we think of it, oh, well, he, re he resisted the temptation, but you have to kind of get the picture. Here is Joseph going through the, the luxurious digs of Potiphar, Mopping the floors here, cleaning the kitchen there, making sure those uh, crops are, are brought in on time, uh, making sure those things that they're building out there are being built according to the pattern that they're being assigned to, and all those things as he's, he's accomplishing that. And then at the end of the day, Joseph goes to his little slave quarters over here, no bigger than a postage stamp, no bigger than a, a prison cell. And as he lays there with no cable TV to occupy his mind, then the enemy begins to fill his mind with the things that have been planted in his mind from that day. You don't have those riches. You don't have that stuff. And then the enemy decides to seed his mind through Mrs. P. And she says, come to bed with me. And so as he lays there, a lonely young man, who's never been with a woman as far as we know, laying there in the darkness of that room, he is hearing those words, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Over and over and over again, 
in his mind, and every day he has to get up and go back into that house. And it says, the scripture says, day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. This became such a hostile working environment. And of course, Joseph couldn't call HR. He couldn't call anybody. He couldn't, he, he couldn't call any. There was no governmental agency who he could call and say, she will not leave me alone. She grabbed my butt the other day. He can't say that. And so he's, he, he, he just decides he will not even be with her in the house. So she's in the kitchen. He runs over to the hall, makes sure he's working over there. She comes into the hall. He goes into the offices and he goes and works in there. He just tries to avoid her at all costs. He's trying to avoid any opportunity day after day. Come to bed with me. She's not very creative, is she? You can imagine, though, having been spurned once, that on day two she had a pretty nice outfit on. Right? And on day three, it was hanging off the shoulders a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And on day four, come on now. She was out and about. She was on the hunt, and he was the prey. She was, she was pursuing him. He had to resist the temptation. And so his mind would go, he would wake up every morning as he would come in. He would work hard. But everywhere he went, the sweet smell of perfume, the musty scent of lust-filled life. You ever been in a place where you just know something untoward happened in here? You just walk in that place. Sometimes the spirit that was on those people is still in that room when you walk in there. I have a friend that whenever he goes to a hotel, he opens the door and he says, get out in Jesus' name. Whatever spirit's in, in this room right now, this is going to be the kingdom of God as soon as I step through the threshold. The problem is we don't recognize the spirit, the supernatural. So the favored one is now under attack. The favored one is now trying to be deflowered, and so he has to keep cleansing his mind. He has to determine that he's not going to think those thoughts. Or he's going to think other things, and so he has to occupy himself. Finally, it comes down to some kind of a confrontation, and he says to her, he says, listen, everything in this house is, is, is mine. Everything I have in this place, everything that's in this place is under my control. There is no one that my master trusts more than me. Listen, lady, I'm not going to bed with you because to do so would be to dishonor not Potiphar, not the one who took me in when I was just a, a wee little guy and, and raised me up to the man of, of God that I am. No, no. It would be to dishonor God. It would be to dishonor God. And here now we see that Joseph is not just a pretty boy, but he has character. And his, you see, character is what handles the favor. If you don't have solid character, the favor just leaks out on the floor and the devil takes your lunch money. But if you have solid character, the favor of God stands no matter what happens in your life. And so Joseph says, listen, it's not going to happen, honey. I, and there's no way it's... I didn't call her honey. Listen, it's not going to... Maybe in the Hebrew, I don't know. I don't, but uh, It's not going to happen... I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't insult God. 
God, he recognizes the blessing of God is on his life. You see, what made Joseph have the favor of God was the presence of God on his life everywhere he went. God was with him, it says. The Lord was with him. You know, one of the, the lies the enemy tells us when he tempts us is, God won't see. The heck he won't. He's standing right next to you. Think about that when you fire up that computer. Think about that when you go to that lusty page or you're looking at the girl with the staple in her navel. Think about that, that Jesus is reading the magazine with you. Jesus is at, the, at, that, at that porn site with you. You say, well, I don't want Jesus to be there. Well, then keep doing that. He'll leave. But so will the favor of God. And so he determines, Joseph determines that he will not yield to her no matter what. So it says one day when he went into the house to attend to his duties. And don't you just like the fact that he showed up for work? Went into the house to do his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and she said very creatively again, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When, he saw that, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her, serv- her household servant and said, Look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak and beside me and he ran out of the house. She reversed the, the, the page on him. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. And then she told him this, That Hebrew slave that you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when the master heard this, heard the story his wife told him, this is how your slave ter- treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And so Joseph now resists the temptation. She has him partially undressed. He leaves his cloak in there. She uses it as evidence against him. The enemy seems to be getting the upper hand here. This attempted robbery of, of, his, of God's glory on his life is now fulfilled. And then Joseph is thrown in prison. And we have to ask ourselves, is Joseph at some point in this going, so this is what I get for living a righteous life? We have to ask ourselves, is Joseph saying, is favored, Lord, are you kidding me? I'm in prison now. My story, Joseph is saying, is crazy. Why is all this happening to me, he's saying. Maybe. Is this what I get? And he's reminded of it every time he tastes one of those lousy prison meals. Because it wasn't too long ago he was eating Potiphar's food. Every abusive command that comes from the guards in that prison where he's at as they're yelling and whipping at him, he remembers how good he had it in Potiphar's house. Every crude comment made by one of those ungodly folk that are around him in that prison He remembers it. Every every difficult moment must have reminded him, 
had to remind him of God's crazy, mixed up, ununderstandable plan. But it doesn't seem as though he ever let go of the idea that he was favored of the Lord. You see, long ago when he was just a young man, he had a dream. And God showed him that the sun and the moon and the stars were going to bow to him. God showed him that his whole family was going to bow to him. And he held on to the dream. He knew what God had said. You are favored. You're the favored one. You've been selected out of all the people of the earth, Christian. You've been selected over all, about, from all the people of the earth. And you have been given the nature of God. You have been given the, 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 the presence of God in your life. You've been given the promises of life. And even though you may be going through difficulty, you've got to remember, you've got to keep on claiming, I am His favored child. That's what grace means. We sing about it, amazing grace. What is grace defined as? God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. Jesus came to bring that favor to his children. Well, does that mean you'll never go through hardship? No, no, no. That's not what it means. It means you're going to survive the hardship. Amen. There may be days when you don't want to survive the hardship, but you're going to make it through. Amen. You're going to push through. Why? Because you're his favored, favored child. You've been blessed. You've been favored by God. And so Joseph has to remind himself day after day, even though he's been returned out to prison, he has to remind himself, I am a favored one of God Almighty. And God has a purpose for me in this place. Now, no one in their right mind would ever they would say, give it up, buddy. Throw away your faith. God has abandoned you. You're down here with the rest of us losers. Just join in with that. But you're, the reality of it is, that's the way it looks. Have you ever been there in your life? When it looked like you, you got to taste a little bit of the, of the high life and suddenly you're down back here, down the bottom. And as you're down there in the bottom, you're saying, what in the world are you trying to do to me, God? But, but we, we have no record of Joseph murmuring or complaining. We have no record of him whining. We have no record of him doing anything except trying to live for the glory of God. So even while he's in prison, he's trying to find a way for God to use him. Even though he's in the darkness of the damp cell in prison, he says, I will glorify God even while I'm in this place. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're going through, you must make a choice to live as a favored one. And, that, and then in that place, you must glorify God. You, you might have to, other people might say, you're crazy for trusting God, but you don't know. See, now we know the end of the story. You, you've cheated and read ahead in Genesis, but you look further down. You see Joseph fulfilling the very prophecy that came to him as a, as a young child. You see his family bowing down before him. Joseph becomes literally the savior of Egypt. Who would ever... Who would ever think that if they saw him in the slave quarters outside Potiphar's house? Who would ever think that if they saw him in the prison? And it wasn't just one hard time. In the prison, Joseph said, I understand dreams. The Lord shows me things. We'll never forget you, buddy. We'll never forget you. And he told them the dream, and they forgot about him. Instantly. Remembered him no more. They got freedom. He was stuck in prison. But while he was in prison, he began to organize the prisoners. 
organize the cells. He began to, they began to recognize, we can trust this guy, let's move him into leadership. Let's, let's put him over groups of 10 and 20 and 25. Let's have him, let's have him work for, for peace amongst the prisoners. Let's have him take out the work crews. Let's, have him, let's give him more and more response. You see, because once you're favored by God, it can't be kept down. The enemy can come and sit on the lid of your blessings, but eventually you're going to pop out of there like a jack-in-the-box and show them what real favor looks like. See, we have to understand that the favor can't be kept down. The lid can't be pressed down for long. See, what we live our lives by are snapshots. A snapshot is a moment. It's a moment. It's usually the most painful moment or the most happy moment. They're, they're tremendous. You know, snapshots, remember snapshot technology, we don't use it very much anymore, but we, we would say, oh, here's the family together, and we pull out the, remember, you had to shake the uh, Polaroid there until it finally, finally blow on it. I don't know why we blew on it, but we had to blow, blow on, shake it around until finally the picture came in. Oh, that's a good one. Everybody's smiling except Aunt you know, Liz, well, who knows why she's not smiling. Anyway, and then we kept that, sh that shot. But that's just a moment. It, if you take a snapshot of him in the pit, if you take a snapshot of him in Potiphar's uh, slave quarters, you would never think of what God's going to be. But you see, Christians don't live by snapshots. I didn't tell this in the first service. I'll tell it to you. Christians don't live by snapshots. We live by vision. Vision isn't looking at where you are right now. Vision is looking at where God said he would take you. Right? The problem with our generation is that we look at where we are right now. And then we feel. Feel lousy. Feel happy. Feel lost. Feel rejected. Feel, 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 feel. Christians don't walk by feelings. Real Christians walk by faith. Christians don't walk by snapshots, momentary images of where they are right now. Listen, you call me five times this week, I may be in a different mood all five times. Right? Oh, you're moody too. How you doing today? Up. Oh, how you doing? Eh. How you doing today? Pray for me. Those are just snapshots. But if we recognize that we are the favored people of God, we are moving toward the image that he has called us to. You know what you're called to be? Jesus. You're called to be the image of God walking on the face of the earth, to be maturing in the fullness of his image. I pray this prayer all the time. And what am I supposed to learn out of this, Lord? Do you pray that prayer? And God always answers me back with this. Or maybe that's my tinnitus. I don't know. <laughs> I get nothing back. You learn it when you learn it. You learn it when you learn it, brother. You learn it when you learn it, sister. You've you got to learn it. But you, the, key, the key is be a person of character. Be a person of character so the blessing of God, the favor of God, can rest in your life. And then it will happen for you. It will open up for you. 
Don't let the enemy steal your character. And for God's sake, don't abandon your faith in the midst of it. See, because the reality of it is, just like Joseph, all the trinkets were never really his. The silver fork that he used to eat off when he was in Potiphar's house. The fine china that he ate off. The wonderful implements and tools, those were never his. They were borrowed. In the same way, everything you have can be taken away from you in one second. Man, if we haven't learned anything, that, anything in our society, we must have learned that now. That you could have had a wonderful house, now you have no house. A wonderful job, now you have no job. A wonderful uh, 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 family, and now they're not talking to you. Right? Now you get all that stuff, it's just temporary. Just temporary things. Our life is filled with these temporary things. How do you keep moving forward? You recognize that there's only one thing. You see, they threw him in the prison, and they threw him, and they took away everything. They can take everything away from you except God. The Lord was with him in the prison. And so because the Lord was with him in prison, everything began to turn around for him because God keeps prospering his favored ones. God keeps blessing them. And he finds himself useful in the lives of other people. He's not sitting back hoping for a big paycheck. He's not waiting for some divine miracle to happen. He's getting busy with the things that God wants to do in their life. We need to recognize that. We are the favored of the Lord. You might be going through something right now. You might be in some difficult place. You might be, you might be in the prison or the pit right now. Wherever you are, doesn't really make a difference because God's not done with you yet. God has more that He wants to do with you. This is the middle of the story. Aren't you glad for that? This is not the end of the story. Amen? Well, it might be the end of the story for somebody, but it might, it's not. for most of us, this is the middle of the story, right? We're only on page 46. We've got a lot more of the story to be told. Don't give up in the middle. That's what they say about suicide. People look at the snapshot of that moment and say, I'm overwhelmed, and then they do themselves in. They end the story right there. Don't be foolish to do that. God continues on. You might be in the prison today. You might be the second in command of Egypt tomorrow. You have no idea what God has in store for you, but you've got to be walking towards the vision of what He has called you to be. And if you just keep being the person of character, you just keep living as one who's favored of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord will shine through. And you will finally receive those things that you want all your life. Now they can be taken away in a second, but as long as you have Jesus, you can rebuild. Right? Say it with me. As long as I have Jesus, I can rebuild. Say it again. Let's say it like we believe it. As long as I have Jesus, I can rebuild. That's the absolute truth. No matter, no matter what they take. Corrie Ten Boom, when she was in the, in the Nazi concentration camps, they took everything away from her. But they couldn't take Jesus away from her. And she had Jesus, and she ministered to the people who were around her while she had opportunity. That's the other thing you have to do. You have to do something. Probably today I'm going to go out to eat. And I'm going to hire someone to carry my food to my table. I call that person. What do you call that person? A waiter. Right. And we have Christians who call themselves waiters. 
I'm waiting on the Lord. Right? They're waiting on the Lord. And what, what do they sit themselves in, you know, Indian style? I can't do that. I'm just pretending. And, uh, and they're just waiting on the Lord. There's two ways to understand waiting. The biblical way to understand waiting is going after it. Right? That's the, that's the absolute truth. To wait on the Lord means to make yourself His servant. That's the key. To wait on the Lord to make yourself His servant. Listen to what He says and then go do it. Well, okay. We should do it. Right? Amen? Bow your head with me. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.